All right. It's beautiful September. You started with all right. Don't start with all right. Hey, you said I just. <laughs> you can't start with all right. I thought, you did. I thought you it was the whole. You podcast with all right. I thought right, it was hit all. Hit the music. Hit the music. <laughs> music, go. <laughs> <laughs> September's here is where I was going with that. Um, Me and Tom had a big talk. Episode four. We had a big talk. Tommy Bardsley. Can you stop cutting me off? Episode four of Tommy Bardsley. It's going to be a good one. We had a big talk before this, how Tom starts every podcast with all right, and he just did it again. I thought you were upset about all right, everybody. No. I I didn't know the word all right really set you off. Before we start this, I just want to thank our partners at Vortex Optics. They are the sponsor of this podcast. Thank you, Vortex. Um, If you haven't bought Vortex stuff, you need to. And if you have, you better know about their warranty. They have an unlimited, unconditional lifetime warranty on their products. Go check them out. Vortex Optics. They've got some pretty cool stories. Oh, yeah. I mean, if if you can find any bit of that um, optic... They'll help you out. They always talk about house fires and all that good stuff. If the optics got charred, they'll send you a new pair. Take care of you. That's what I like in the company. All so, right. Tommy Bardsley is joining us. He's our brother-in-law. Um, Tommy, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. So, I'm Tommy Bardsley, and I got drug into this new hunter thing. Um, I didn't have a choice uh-huh. uh, being their brother-in-law. But, uh, no, I'm... Uh, Married to their older sister, Katie. Um, we're currently living in Lakewood, Colorado, and um, I'm I'm an accountant. And um, yeah, I grew up playing basketball and had no hunting background. So when I uh, got to uh, know the Crick family, I quickly got to learn uh, hunting and have grown grown to love it. We've been on a few hunts uh, with them. And, um, yeah, this is my first time actually going to, uh, actually shoot the bow and, uh, to archery hunt. So hell yeah, brother. So <clears throat> the first time I ever saw Tommy Bardsley in person, I was at a track meet and well, me and Tom were both at a track meet. Our family was at a track meet and we knew that our sister had some interest in this guy. No, not yet. No, we, no, there was definitely some, there was like, that's the redhead guy. Tommy's a ginger <laughs> and uh, I remember the whole place the whole whatever you'd call it I don't know uh, the rest arena. of the meat the rest of the meat was done yes but there's this one up. one high jumper Tommy who was trying to jump over high jump over seven foot bar I was like no way this guy's doing this <laughs> well let's clap along anyway yeah if you do the whole slow <laughs> clap thing he's doing this this routine and sure enough he jumped over the seven foot bar now is Anthony Davis seven foot? Yeah, six eleven. Yeah, Taco Fall. How th- oh, no, that, he's a little higher. He's like kay. seven six. So it's like, <clears throat> so Tommy, it's like you had a pole on the top of Anthony Davis's head, standing straight up, and you jumped over the top of him and didn't touch him <laughs> back first. So Tommy, you've got some serious springs on you. You're an amazing basketball player, and uh, yeah, you've. I mean, getting into this family, you kind of had to come along in some hunts. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've enjoyed it. I've, I've loved to be an outside. Um, I didn't, yeah, like I said, no experience, prior experience hunting, but, uh, watching you guys do it and how you do it. Um, you know, you do it right. 
and it's I've just grown to love it. Yeah. Talk about I want I want to stay on this high jumping thing for a little while. Talk about your high jumping career, all your awards. I know you don't like talking about it. Talk about some <laughs> of your because people people watching high jump it's amazing to watch, and so people that don't know, I mean, literally think about how this is and tell us a little bit about that past of your life. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, I high jumped at Nebraska Wesleyan, and actually went to uh, Nebraska Wesleyan to play basketball. Um, but got uh, convinced to go out for the track team too and had a little more success with that. Um, basically high jump, uh, you run, you jump off one leg and, uh, clear a bar in a nutshell. Um, I do the, uh, Fosbury flop, which is what everybody's doing now, but, um, coming at head on and about step five or six, start into a curve, you lean into it. And you're about 45 degrees uh, from the mat, and you take off and uh, that easy roll roll over um, arch your back and let her kind of flip out of it. Yeah, you know. So it should be noted, Tommy's wife, our sister Katie, she was also a decent athlete, but don't tell her this. But I mean, your high jumping was more fun to watch. <laughs> I got I was sweating most times watching you, Tommy. But we. Our sister Katie was a freshman when you were a senior. So when we got that one year of amazing high jump, it's like this, oh, wish we would have had more. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was great to watch. How many How many All-Americans do you have? Uh, five. Yep. Dang. Dang, son. Me and Tom, <clears throat> basically the Crick family, we've got some speed. Our younger brother can throw some down some distance miles pretty good. But nobody in the family can jump at all. So when Tommy came into the family, we're throwing him alley-oops, 10 foot, just slamming it down. And like, this is different, <laughs> but yeah. Okay. I wanted to cover that. Um, one of the first hunts I ever went on, um, it was the fall. I had a turkey tag and well, I was mainly deer hunting, but like me, I love turkeys and I threw, I always throw a diaphragm call with me and I heard a flock over yonder. And so I went over these hills and I started talking to him a little bit and I found this flock of like 30 and I was like, Laying down this delicate, amazing stock. <laughs> and next thing I know, classic, our dad, he just comes through the valley, barreling in our F-150, just raising hell in that valley, thinking that he's going to catch up. Because he, he saw, he as well spotted. Yeah, he saw the the flock and was like, oh, this turkey's over there. Let's race in the truck over there. Um, And then when I was watching this, after laying down this stock and realizing that it's over... <laughs> I see Tommy jump out of the truck with the 12 gauge in his hand. I'm like, Oh, this is going down. <laughs> and he starts running after these birds, 12 gauge in hand. Not sure if it's loaded, not sure if it's unsafe. <laughs> and he just jumps right over three or four strong barbed wire fence. <laughs> Doesn't even think twice. Oh man. With most, I mean, there's not a chance any of us are making it over. And I remember just watching them being like, my stock's over, but that was incredible. Shotgun in one hand, just freaking scissor kicking this. <laughs> yeah barbed wire oh man that's good stuff not my smartest thing i've ever done but uh yeah it was cool it. <laughs> we had some non-conventional ways of uh hunting back in the day we really went after those fall turkeys whatever oh, yeah. whatever it took to get it done yeah we we view it a little different these days um we uh, abide by the law now there are many times we raced after turkeys in cars oh vehicle was our number one <laughs> 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 yeah yeah there was no no miles on the boots. It was a vehicle. 
good old camo van back in those days, the truck a little bit, but yep. all right, let's get into this. So usually I ask the new hunter, what sparked your interest in hunting? But you kind of just, I mean, getting into the family, you just, I mean, you're a part of it. So I want to kind of know what sparked your interest to actually pick up a bow and want to actually hunt them yourself instead of just coming along. Yeah. So I guess a little bit of background. I, um, like I said, I didn't know much about hunting and what I did think about hunting, I thought it was, um, (laughs) I didn't have a good perception of it. I don't think, um, I thought it was just, uh, uh, guys going out smoking cigarettes and trying to shoot animals just for fun. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem very ethical. You know, unfortunately, I think a lot of people think that. And more unfortunately, I think there are a section of people that do that. (laughs) Continue. (laughs) But anyways, I got, uh, when I met you guys and watched you and, um, how you were very concerned with, um, you know, hunting the animal ethically, um, only clean shots and with the bow, um, being a lot more, difficult to master. I think just, um, I felt like a rifle was maybe a little easier, but taking the time to really hone in, um, you know, your bow, get sighted in. Um, I liked the craft. That was really, um, something that kind of reminded me of, you know, honing in my shot <clears throat> growing up, uh, playing basketball. So, um, that was yeah, kind of the initial attraction. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, Talk more about this whole archery practice and learning curve. So you're shooting my old Bear Divergent. Um, love that bow. Gave it to Tommy when I got the the new bear. And uh, what'd you shoot with that bow, Nate? Bunch of grass. I shot two does. Um, I think I missed a bull out here with that bow. You didn't tell me that before. Oh, me out. <laughs> no, that might have. Yeah, that might have been it. Um, but I mean. You're a good shot now. So tell us about this summer of practice and form. How'd that all go down? Yeah. Um, well, you guys gave me a great base um, and getting out to the range with you. But it was just a lot of trial and error, getting out to the range and just repping it, making sure my anchor points were very consistent. Same thing every time, every time. Um, I know early on I was getting pretty adjustment happy. So if I, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be off a of center you know, after three shots, I'd make an adjustment and quickly learn that, uh, from you guys, uh, don't do that. So, (laughs) um, just got more consistent and, um, eventually, yeah, really comfortable with my, my shot and, um, feeling good about it. So Tommy, you impressed me like with your motivation to get out, um, especially in busy Colorado going to the range that takes serious dedication. I like sometimes don't go to the range because I'm like, oh man, I got a, got a 15 minute drive across town. I don't want to go to the range and do that. But I got to say, you did a really good job getting to the range. I was really impressed by like seeing it on the schedule whenever I'd go to you guys' apartment. I mean, it's archery like at least every other day or every third day, which was awesome. I mean, it, to be honest, it surprised me a little bit. I was amped and got me super excited for this hunt when I saw all that practice going down. I mean, you went from the first time, first few times we went out, I was just showing you a few pointers to being inconsistent at 20 to the last time we were at the range in Lincoln, you were putting them on a plate at 60. That's in one summer. So people listening to this, if you're new to the archery range, I think you got, just got to dedicate time out of anything. I think that's the biggest thing I want to hear from you. 
give me three things that you think can help a new archer the most. Number one, um, patience. Uh, you're not going to pick it up right away. Um, I'd say two, you got to practice. Lots you got to put in reps. And mm-hmm. thankfully, uh, in Lakewood, we have an archer range about 15 minutes from us. And I try to get there every other day. Um, and, you know, whether it was going to shoot for half an hour so I could, you know, go over my lunch hour. Um, so patience, uh, just put in the work and the time. Um, gosh, number three. Shoot broadheads. <laughs> shoot some broadheads more. Yeah, I didn't come out to shooting broadheads before I came, so that's uh, something I should have practiced with. I think yeah. one thing that you I think the one thing that helped you get to where you are quicker is just the consistent form. Just like doing it right right off the bat is really helpful. Um, so if anybody's looking into it, I mean, find an archery pro that hopefully can help you well. There. I wish every archery shop owner was great. Some of them are great and some of them aren't. Um, but really, if you can get somebody to be with you and you shoot those just first be, few arrows. Yeah, somebody that's just patient and like willing mm-hmm. to sit, like watch your, watch your form, be like critique you, all those good things. Mm-hmm. Layer yeah. by layer. I mean, first we're talking anchor point with your release. Then, I mean, we're talking follow through, grip, all those things. But Even They like, just have to come by yeah. layers. Even they, when you and I... Like we always go to shields. The guys at shields are great. Um, and I still take advice. Like if Josh or Dylan's got something good for me to change the shields in Lincoln, shields in Lincoln. Yep. They're, we got a great, great archery department there. They do so many things for free. Like we'll take our, our new bows and D loop all the, all those basic things, um, paper, paper tune it. And they just do a great job. And I, I was even getting advice like the last couple of times I've been in and I just love like each little piece that can make you, make you better. Definitely just listen to those pieces. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, what would you say is, has been the biggest hurdle to come on this hunt or to start hunting? Um, is it time? Is it the monetary side? Is it knowledge? What would you say? Um, I say, you know, it is a little bit of an investment to get, uh, to get all the gear and stuff. Um, and you know, things for your bow. Um, so that, um, I could see that, you know, as for new hunters, mm-hmm. um, is a hurdle time would probably be another one. I think, um, just getting out and I'm thankful I could take off a week from work to, to come out and hunt, but I don't know mm-hmm. if everybody has that opportunity. So, mm-hmm. um, and then access to probably, uh, mm-hmm. you know, land nearby public land or right. things like that. Yep. Cool. Um, all right. So before we get into the elk hunt, just one more question. What, what do you think you've learned out here that can hopefully help you on when you come join us on the Nebraska whitetail hunt or a Nebraska mule deer hunt? What, what have you picked up skills that you think you can use for other hunts? Yeah, I think probably the biggest thing hiking around through these mountains with you guys is how to, um, read signs, look for signs of the wildlife, I know we're looking at a lot of poop <laughs> and, uh, you know, being able to tell like, okay, this is probably a couple weeks old or this is fresh. Um, I know we saw several antler rubs, mm-hmm. um, something that I wouldn't have noticed just walking around by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other, I know one time when we were, um, the other day, uh, there was some antlers digging in the dirt and kicks and dirt mm-hmm. up on. And I don't know if that was a, a bull marking his territory or something, but something I would have just walked past. So mm-hmm. 
definitely learning how to read the land and um, yep. whatnot. Cool. So we, me and Nate just went to a nearby town to fix a tire. Mm. And we ran into a good buddy of ours, Barry Lee. He was on our last podcast. I feel like we should give everybody an update. He, uh, he, he is into it. And he had a bull. He said at 20 yards this morning staring at him, but he didn't have an arrow knocked. But it was good that we just ran, like, just coincidence, just ran on the road by him. And he, uh, you could tell he, he had an itch even more than when he left us. Like, mm-hmm. he had a couple opportunities. He was close to some animals. And he, uh, he I could see it in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was funny because he's hunting. His tag goes till the end of the end of September. So he's been hunting down, I don't know, five, ten miles south of us. Um yeah, and first thing you could just tell, yeah, I was smirking when he's putting down the window. Bull at twenty today, man. It's like, whew, I love hearing that because yeah, the hunt up here was tough. So I'm glad he's running into him. But yeah, all right. So the elk hunt. What is this day three? Day three with Tommy. Tommy day eight for us. Yep. So we still have tonight and all day tomorrow to get it done. But we're going to be packing up a lot tomorrow. So we wanted to fit this podcast in now. I mean, the last few days for me and Tommy have been tough kind of similar to me and Barry. Um, more guys running into... But less guys overall, wouldn't you less say? Less guys overall. The weekend got guys out, and I think everybody just structures their trip around that that peak rut, that, mm-hmm. I don't know, 13th to the 20th, and being, like, what is it, the 23rd today? Um, I mean, I think some people are leaving, so that's helped a little mm-hmm. bit. So me and Tommy, similar to with Barry, we've covered miles. I mean, first night... We put on a ton of miles, got into some steep stuff, really steep stuff, shale type ground. Not fun coming down there, but we survived. Um, we've been up on top of peaks, I mean, above 11,000 feet and been low valleys, kind of all over the place. The other day we went to a trail where me and Barry actually went and there's a guy probably bugling every two to three minutes. Just, I mean, it's, it's interesting to just see how other people work the elk woods. So those are kind of the things we've been dealing with the last few days, but... I mean, the last 36 to 48 yeah. has kind of turned on, Thomas. So, everybody knows what I'm going to say. I've, I've, been, I've stayed over my wall. I've been consistent. I think I've sat there at least 13 or 14 times. The trail going up the mountain is pretty worn down by myself. But was it yesterday morning? Yesterday morning, it began to, like, really peak. And I heard a far-off bugle. I could pretty much tell... I thought it was a dude, but I'm like, I'm going to, it was far enough. I, I gave it a, gave him a bugle back. He responded right away. Sure enough, five minutes later, much closer. I'm like, okay, that's a guy. Like it just sounded like a, like a tubey bugle. Nothing like characteristic about it. Um, I don't even have my bow in hand. Cause I don't want that. Like if it's a guy, he's going to see me like ready to draw back on him. I didn't want, I didn't want to act like I was hunting a dude, but sure enough, man, I see some long legs making my way after I hear some crack, some crashing. Um, big old tall dude, big old tall bull. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I'm getting another opportunity in this tree stand. Um, he walks to 50 yards and just covered up by pines. Um, and I'm waiting, I'm like basically ranging some gaps I have in the timber. I had a 45 yard shot. If he maybe would have taken 10 more steps, I was praying that he would just come down in my, my spring wallow area, but he never did. And sure enough, I feel that that wind push up towards him and he just gets out. He didn't bark or anything. It was definitely a more of a soft bump, but he left. I, I didn't know whether to be heartbroken or excited, but yeah, I mean, my first sight at a nice, probably just a five by five, um, younger bull, but definitely would have been a trophy out here. I mean, it's nice. He came to the call. 
Yeah. Like that's he the came first right in. basically call and response. Like we've had this trip. Yeah. Two hours later, <clears throat> I keep cow calling every, every bit. Um, two hours later I had three spikes come right in. Um, the closest one was about 20 yards. And at, at that time my wind had also shifted in. I can't believe they got that close to me. Even the younger bulls, they probably didn't sense the bad wind as, as soon as an older one would, but they just trotted off too. Um, but an awesome sit that I, I think we all needed kind of to hear, um, which leads me into the evening. I basically got on the stand and we had a really bad rainstorm slash um, hail come through this area. I mean, it was raining hard for a couple hours at least. Mm-hmm. And we go up. I'm, it's a lot later than normal. We, I probably get settled in my stand like 445, 5. And sure enough, bugle. And I wasn't sure if it was a guy or a, a bull. Sounded more, more like a bull. And I bugle back. He responds right away. We do that a little bit. He, and then he chuckles. And I'm like, okay, this is definitely a bull. He's not moving location-wise, though. He's just staying in that same spot on the mountain. I guess he's probably about 600 yards away from my wallow. We have probably 30, 45 minutes of just silent. No no one's calling. And then he rips again, like six, 620. I rip back. He responds, responds. Um, and my hesitancy, I was like, I'm not going to leave my tree stand because as soon as I do, he's going to come in. My bow is going to be on the ground. Something dumb like that's going to happen. And also Nate and Tommy decided to work the same hillside. I didn't know how far I, I didn't even know if this could have been them bugling at me. Um, but sure enough, 640, he responds, same spot. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a move. I'm going to see if, if I close 200 yards, if that just riles him up, get down, super quiet. The ground's still damp really nice. I rip a bugle and just nothing. I get 200 yards closer, nothing. So I get out of there, decide to just come back and hunt him in the morning, which paid off. And that brings us to this morning. We're, we're getting ready. We start our hike. We decide all three of us are just going to go up there on what Nate calls the ranch. Cause I've gotten into more elk than he has. Mm-hmm. Um, all public land people, but he just likes to it's Tom's ranch up there. Yeah. So but I was out with my morning coffee waiting yeah. for you guys, and I heard. I was like, there he is. He's up there ready to go. I mean, that was early. It was still pitch dark. Yep. So I was like, boys, let's go. So we, we hike up there, get to my wallow. Um, I ripped a terrible bugle. I was dehydrated, cotton mouth. <laughs> I, knew, I knew it was about a 50-50 shot. This thing was going to just crack up. Terrible bugle, but it didn't matter. This guy just responds right back and the chase is on. We, from doing it the night before, I kind of knew a path to get over to this, this nice looking like low spot. That's just probably 400 yards from my wallow I'm hunting. And, um, sure enough, he bugles again, pretty dang close. Pretty dang close. Like the loudest bugle I've heard since, but not that close. Like, like when he bugled, he was probably 300 yards, 250, 300 yards. We, 100 we, yards. We closed the gap. <laughs> this is where this is where me and Nate had a little fight on the mountain post post this uh, situation. It wasn't here. little. It was massive. So I'm going. I think he's further up the further up the mountain face, but he's not. Um, I was moving very very meticulously, like like quiet, and but not fast. not that fast, not that fast. But sure enough, I see him. I don't know. He must have he he had to have seen us. But he he was he just decided to side hill out of there, and it was big bull, like big, big bull. Big we bull. call him three hundred. Um, yeah, big mature. We body gotta talk on. about it because 
it's interesting when you're hunting with different people, you have different views. You have different views on how you should call, how you should approach, where the animal is, all these things. And when I heard that last bugle, I was like, he's close. Like basing it on other bugles in my life, I was like, I was thinking in my head and Thomas was 20, 30 yards ahead of me because I was back with the camera and I was thinking he needed, I was thinking Tom needs to slow down. His bowl's closer, but Tom thought he was further away. Mm-hmm. Just different, just different viewpoints. And that's just how it went. And sure enough, he was close. Um, and he busted and big bull. But I mean, we, we joke about this argument we had on there and it's just like, we just, it's just hunters doing different things. Like, yeah. I mean, who knows if he would have been further away and you would have got out there and ripped a few calls, he would have come right in. Like just the way things worked he happened to be close at time. And who knows from that bugle, if he'd closed ground. Yeah. Like you just don't know those things. He could have. Um, so that was a little bit disappointing watching him kind of side hill it away from us. And Tommy's um, just sitting there during this debate me and Tom are having just like, yeah, fun. you guys were arguing for about 10 minutes on, <laughs> do we go over the hill? Do we follow this one around the Yeah, because the we kind of hit, everything had gone quiet. We were like, do we go after him? Do we go up top? Yeah, but nobody asked my opinion. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. I asked you, I asked what you wanted to do a few times. So, but before like this argument happened, there's another one ripping up top. Mm-hmm. And we were like, should we try to top him out? He definitely had cows. After that big one left, we heard him like kind of, like we could hear sticks breaking and stuff. So he's, they're definitely moving up the hill. Um, and we, we chased after a little bit, but then like, it was just very quiet. We knew that it topped out elk move a lot faster than us in the woods. So at that point we we're like, well, that's when the argument ensued. Cause I had time to think about it. Nate was being mean to if, me. If I'm, <laughs> if I'm looking at this, I think you might've realized that you did go a little fast. And I, I, I realized did, but you, you did not, this, what you said is not what I needed to hear in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You could have saved that for right now. Yeah. You could have brought it up, but no, you, you made it hurt hard. Yep. That's definitely my bad. Sometimes I just can't keep my mouth shut. And I was like, you're like, if it was me, I would have, I would have gone a lot slower than Tommy would, we'd be taking trophy picks with Tommy and this bull <laughs> is basically well. how you said it. Which is easy to say after after the fact. Sometimes I wish we could like play this back in scenarios and like each have an opportunity at this bowl. You do what you do, and then I would do what I did and see which one had better odds. But you can't do that because it's an elk and he took off for the hills. Um, so, anyways, yeah, big bull. Hopefully, still up there. We'll get after him this evening. Then and Thomas and I have made up. We're friends again. Then we a- you know. yep. Then we asked Tommy what we should do. And he's like, let's let's head back to your wall. And me and Nate were like, great idea, new hunter. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. So we start slow walking um, back to the wallow. And sure enough, I'm, I'm in the lead going extra slow. So I don't mean they don't get another argument. And I see, I see an elk butt and I do the arms back. Like everybody just stop. Don't like move, move a muscle. All I can see is the butt. So I'm like, either that's a mature cow or a bull. Sure enough, I decided because I haven't loved the way bulls have been reacting to cow calls. And we have a good cow call. But I haven't, like, from the interactions I've had with bulls previously, they haven't, like, turned their head and, like, walked in. They haven't loved it. So I was like, instead of cow calling, seeing if he'll come in, I was like, Tommy, let's just try to, let's just try to, he's probably at 60, 70 yards right there. I was like, Tommy, let's just try to close, close the distance, get in on him. Sure enough, we're doing that. Um, like, he knew right away, like, we were, like, we were already within 60, 70, so we'd maybe made a little noise, so he knew something was there. And our wind was not great. No, it, it, it was kind of heading towards him, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I mean, we probably got to 40 yards and he knew something was up, but he never like dashed out of there. He maybe like ran or like jogged like 10 yards and would cow call and he'd look and start working his way a little bit our way. But it was, it was a, just a nice five by five mm-hmm. that just wanted to see probably what was going on with what we were doing previously. And, um, I mean, there were a good three or four bulls in the hillside this morning and mm-hmm. it was awesome. Tommy and Nate, you guys finally saw your first elk of the trip. Um, so, I mean, overall productive morning. I learned a lot. One of the biggest takeaways that I brought up, like when we were up on the mountain was like, we've been doing this for four years, but how many interactions with, with, with bulls have I had? Very few. It's not like Handful. whitetail when you just get so much, you could learn so much knowledge in one season. It's not that way at all. I've, I mean, I've been within a hundred yards of mature bull, like four or five times in my whole life. So I'm definitely still in that learning curve and maybe I made some mistakes on that mountain this morning, but it just, it's another thing that it's going to make me a better hunter. And hopefully Tommy and Nate, you guys saw that as well. And you can apply that in your hunting careers. Oh, those moments. It's so like cutthroat in those moments. Like you got to do it right. Yeah. Or you're, it's and not it, working it, out. You can't just like sit about it. So no, you can't think about, think about it. it. Yeah. You just got to make instant reactions and it's hard. And so when they work out, it's like, Oh my gosh. But when it doesn't, it's like, mm, I needed to do this. Yeah. And not that. Yeah. But until, until you do that or have a bunch of experiences, who knows if we had more elk time in Elkwood, Elkwoods, maybe we'd have a better idea of where that bugle was, you know, could yeah. do all that. So, but yeah, nice bull trotted off. Hopefully still up there. We're going to give him hell tonight. Um, just, just, just fun. Like being in, in that beagle circle. I mean, there are three different bulls going off. Um, all, all bulls, no guys up there. And, um, you just can't beat it when you're in that circle of them talking. It's pretty fun to communicate with them. It was refreshing because this was, I mean, this was the hardest I've ever hunted for elk and like not even bumping into one, not even spooking one this trip. I mean, they've just, with all the pressure they've, we've been talking, they've just dialed into these tiny little sanctuaries that they have. And if you're, if you're not in that, then you're not seeing anything. And we've kind of found this hillside to be one of those. And yeah, it was good. I'm anything positive right now is just a good thing. So, I mean, we've got tonight and all day tomorrow to, I think we can probably close the distance on one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess from my perspective that the hunt this morning was tons of fun. Um, like Nate mentioned, we hadn't heard or seen or smelled any elk. Um, I was joking with them. I'll go, I, guys, I don't know if these things exist. Yeah. Uh, after the first several hunts here, but getting into it this morning and, um, yeah, bugling all around and finally seeing one. Um, I saw the body, didn't see the antlers. Um, and then saw just on the ridge line, um, uh, just underneath some of the tree branches, the, uh, the legs of the, uh, the bull walk. And it was super cool. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to get after it tonight and, mm-hmm. um, see if we can make a, make an approach on him. Yep. This elk hunting, it just like the, the name of this podcast is elk hunting is still tough because it just, y- y- you can learn so much, but it's so much different than the, than the whitetail hunter or things like that. I was having a conversation with Nate when we were in the car today and it's like, I was just trying to figure out like elk hunting, like it just the learning curve and, and everything there. It's, it's like, you got to love it because when you have situations like this morning, um, it's hard not to, but it's just like, it's a love hate relationship. It's like, it's so hard to, 
hard to find success, but like you have to have 100% effort every single day, every single hunt. And for us, I mean, I've done a week of hunting doing that. And this morning was literally the first time I ever like felt like we were hunting. Like we were actually in the action and that's really hard. And a lot of people can't do that. And I mean, this unit, we partially do it to ourselves. I mean, it's it's over over the counter, busy, busy unit, lots of guys. I mean, there's good elk numbers, but I mean, you're not hearing bugles. I mean, literally today was the first time I was like, that's a, that's a legit elk right there. Like I'm sure I've heard a few during this trip, but it's a grind. It's a grind. You got to have an extra level of motivation to get up in the morning um, and basically do like a workout mm-hmm. like the whole day and then do it again the next day. And only when you've put in eight to 10 days, will you maybe have one or two opportunities. And that's, I don't know, that's just the mindset you got to have going into elk hunting, especially just Colorado. It's a busy over the counter state, um, that you can run into a lot of guys potentially have some luck, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's the reason people love and hate elk hunting. We've been, I've been trying to add it up, and when Barry was in camp, he was saying we were burning around 4,000 calories or more per day is what his tracker was saying. And, I mean, you're not eating all of that, so it's no you are burning it. We were, I mean, most mornings we're doing probably five to six miles, and then we're doing that at least in the evening. Sometimes in the evening we even do more. And so, I mean, you're having 10 or more mile days. It's just you got to stay at it. you got to stay motivated and know what's going to happen yeah Yeah, i didn't realize how like i knew hunting was hard work but actually being here with you guys for the past several days it's hard work Mm -hmm. you know and not only that but a lot of things got to happen right like you got to have an elk that um one is like you got to find the elk uh two you don't want to spook it or you know let it catch your scent the wind's got to be right um and then you know with archer hunting it's got to be within your comfortable range and that that can be you know all those pieces aligning and then you know if he's quartered away broadside Mm -hmm. if he's head on like you know he's got to be at the right position yeah um it is and then all that work hiking through the mountains trying to find him it's just yeah yeah. mad props to anybody who gets it done public land i mean it is it's never easy and i mean i've never killed an elk and it can take a lot of time so getting them down. That's a lot. I mean, more times than not, it's a lot of hard work being put in for that animal. So, mm-hmm. I mean, a, a small bull here means a lot more than a, a big one on a ranch to, to us at least. Mm-hmm. It's uh Oh, Thomas and I were talking how, even if you get into elk with these woods being so thick, having one in a shooting lane is freaking tough. Yeah. I mean, you got to be right. Like this morning, that five by five yeah. was easily we, in archery we, range. We were within forty yards, I'd say. But I mean, couldn't even see him. Barely. No, it's that's it's just crazy. There's a few openings throughout, and I mean, you can possibly get lucky for that to happen. But yeah, it's not like other parts of Colorado or Idaho or Utah, like where you can just like you're glassing up bulls and going on a stock. It's not that at all. You're basically walking through the woods, hoping to not bump them, or you're just waiting for a bugle. It's a still hunt. Yeah. It's an entire morning, evening, you're still hunting because there's no glassing. None. The places you can glass have roads and a bunch of people. Yep. Because they're trying to find the find the easy elk. But I don't know. We, we've used Onyx to find those sanctuaries, and this hillside um, is one of those spots. Oh, the topo, Onyx topo has saved us because 
you got to hunt the benches anywhere where the steep topo goes to a little flatter spot. I mean, check it. I mean, that's basically what we've been doing. Just still hunting those areas on every single mountain range in this area. And sure enough, when you hit those benches, that's where you're finding elk sign most of the time. So yeah. So Tommy, I want to know how is this hunting different than the perspective you had before you knew what hunt knew us and knew of legit hunting. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's like I said, it's hard work and you really got to work for it. I think my perspective was, it was just guys sitting in trucks and they'd walk out, you know, la da and then, you know, fire off a rifle and boom, bring it back to the truck. Um, but you really got to work for it. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of things got to ha- uh, come into place. Um, and then, yeah, working with you guys and, um, learning, learning the hunt, um, how to hunt properly is, um, has really opened my, my eyes to it. All right. So tonight we are splitting up. Tom, you're going to hunt your, your classic wallow. The OG man, it's going to pay off. I know it's gonna, it's gotta. And then me and Tommy are basically going to go to where we saw the big bull this morning and then probably just push North. And if, if we hear him talking, we'll go up top more. But planning on probably just side hilling and then seeing where things are talking, just making moves, being on our feet. Yeah, I think we've, I think we've, I mean, it's taken us like eight days, but um, we found a sanctuary that the elk are hanging out, and we got to just both all the effort on that hillside. I think is is how it's going to get done. Mm-hmm. Kansas City update: the cameras have been better, um, but really no mature deer it's been slow there's uh, been two picks two blurry picks where you're like mm, maybe but we kind of anticipated this with the whole transition that deer are going through right now um it's definitely beginning to amp up more more younger bucks some nice three-year-olds um we're just waiting for those those another good cold front to come through that the one that the really good cold front that came through earlier in september can season wasn't open yet we hunted Nebraska, and we had we had a decent bit of movement, which was good. But unfortunately, we couldn't hunt in Kansas. I think there could have been a buck down that that week. But no, we've got a about a 15 degree de- temperature drop. Um, probably when this podcast drops, we'll be uh, driving up down to the 80 to uh, try to seal the deal on one of our big mature bucks walking around. So it's about Monday to Tuesday is about an 85 to 65 drop. That, that's that's enough for me to go sit. Yep, that'll convince us. Go sit over those beans. Hopefully pressure's good, wind direction's good, and first hunt of the 80, baby. All right, guys, guys, as a new hunter, what does a temperature drop do for the deer? Great point. It's the debate. Some people don't believe in them. It's technically like a cold front. Um, it's supposed to just make the deer more active. It basically, is. just get them up on their feet a little bit more than just like if the temperature was warm or just consistent, like there's no big temperature change or um, uh, just like a rainy day or anything like that that gets a deer to move. So It's also like the pressure if the pressure is higher, which is also a debate. That Everything's a debate. Yep. <laughs> Most people, some hunters won't hunt if the moon's not right, you know, but. Nice. All right, all right. Yeah. That makes sense. So when we see, hey, 20 degree drop, it's going from hot to cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's worth it. I mean, we're not, yeah. We had success last year with it. Tom shot his buck after a huge temperature drop, a little rain. Boom. Um, it should be starting to make some sign. Um, bucks, their testosterone rises as the days get shorter. 
that's how it gets oh, triggered. Okay. Um, that's when they their their fur changes and they shed. That's all. Testosterone level, levels are spiking. Thanks, Matt Ross at QDMA. Um, <laughs> Deer don't have fur; they have hair. Does say fur? Yep. Oh, hair. Um. So yeah, we're gonna be sitting it. It's gonna be awesome. We'll keep you updated. Hit our IG story up. We're gonna be filling that thing with good stuff. Hopefully, buck down one of those two days. Mm-hmm. Wives are generous to let us uh, come back from this trip and then leave again, and then. October uh, October 1st, Thomas has a South Dakota mule deer tag, which we are going to be going to hunt with. We'll give you guys more information in future podcasts with that, but we're going to be heading back up to the great state of South Dakota where we've already drawn blood this season. So With a buddy of ours. Yep, that'll be fun. Cool. Well, guys, hopefully we get it done this, this evening on the mountain. We've got all day tomorrow, too. Um, then we head back to the great state of Nebraska. So it's been a... It's been a whirlwind. I mean, with Barry and Tommy, with you, it's, I mean, I've learned a ton too. So every, I mean, you can't spend 10 days in the woods and not learn anything. So it's been, it's been fun and I'm sure we're going to be doing it again next year. So mm-hmm. we've got Tommy, we've got more hunts planned this fall. Like we're going to get you out in the whitetail woods. You're going to be in Nebraska hunting some, some bucks with us. So we'll, if it doesn't happen this trip, we'll at least get you a meat Dota put in the freezer and stuff like that so oh yeah i'm looking forward to it i have definitely grown to love um hunting with you guys out here and i i've got the itch so mm-hmm. it needs to be scratched I'll it needs forward to be to it. it needs to be said tommy was the first guy that when thomas and i were debating this whole project we were sitting we were sitting at tom's kitchen table in his house Mm-mm. breakfast nook man okay breakfast nook kitchen table whatever <laughs> same thing and we were, we were really trying to figure out how we could make a difference this year and we were like, man, I know. I, deep down, I knew what we needed to do. And it was this new hunter project. And we were like, let's call Tommy. If he wants to go hunting with us, then he'll be uh, sure enough. Yeah, like, yeah. I think I could. I think I can get some time off work. And like, you want you want to shoot my bow? Sure, I can do that and all that good stuff. So, oh yeah, I remember. I remember getting the call from you guys. Uh, Katie and I were both uh, on the line there, and um, yeah, I was immediately. I was like, oh heck yeah. I could be out there hunting with you guys. I know I'd learn a ton and I've been wanting to do it. So it uh, means a lot that you guys are having me out with you. You even uh, were nice enough to still send us an email entry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No video entry though, Tommy. Come on. I know I was slacking there. Yeah. But well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Um, Hope you guys have been liking this podcast, these podcasts so far. We're going to be continuing to mix it up, have a lot more new hunters um, ahead of us. Um, be sure to write in. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, um, email info at identicaldraw.com, um, and we'll get back to you and bring up some of those questions in these podcasts. Um, be sure to give us podcast ratings, hit that five stars, and any reviews. We love yeah. we love seeing that stuff from you guys. We really appreciate it. Hopefully, a lot of our listeners have had a successful September. I can't believe it's almost done, but, I mean, people might get mad at me for saying this, but... I love September, but it's it's whitetail season after that, and that's what that's what really fuels me up. So I'm excited. October can be a great great month to hunt whitetails. If you haven't, go subscribe to our YouTube at Identical Draw, um, because we'll be dropping this next when this podcast drops. We're going to have a bunch of episodes coming out. We're going to have antelope, mule deer, and then these Colorado episodes will be following quickly behind, and you'll be able to stay up to date on all of our Kansas City episodes and all that good stuff. So be sure to subscribe there. Yeah, everybody, thanks for listening.